we're seeing an imbalance in the duality of reality. Samsara is being overrun with anger. We're, we're seeing it every day. You know, the, the infrequent occasion of expressed anger is now becoming an everyday situation. The dilemma, the problem, in my opinion, is that anger is easy to identify in the other person. You know, the, the guy who drove the van in Toronto, the young man who shot up the Waffle House in Tennessee, and all of the other examples that we can give that are, that are prominent in the news every day as we, we start a new day. It's prominent. Someone is expressing their anger. There's a reason for it. And the reason is that the that anger is hard to identify, hard to pinpoint, hard to locate within ourselves. Anger has many aliases. It's it's it it hides in its disguises. So for a second here, I'll just resentment, resentfulness, displeasure, disapproval, disapprobation, dissatisfaction, discontent, vexation, irritation, annoyance, aggravation, Offense, umbrage, peak, glower, scowl, angry look, dirty look, glare, frown, bitterness, resentment, heart burning, rancor, violence, acrimony, gall, bile, spleen, acid, hard feelings, soreness, Slow burn, gnashing of the teeth, indignant displeasure, righteous indignation. You get the point. And I, I've got another page and a half that I could read. Right? It, it's cloaked. And the the thought that came to me, the word or the words that came to me in this disguise of anger is justifiable homicide. So we have been educated by people who didn't understand. We have been taught and formed by people, parents, counselors, mentors, who didn't understand that they passed on to us the same delusion that they had. 
So again, it's hard to see. It's hard to identify. It's hard to pinpoint. It's hard to recognize. Anger that is self-contained. And this is what I'm going to try to illuminate today, to awaken in you today, because it's infecting all of our spaces, even in this community, a place of refuge, a place of safety, we find anger. And again, it's not necessarily because people want to be angry. It's just they don't recognize the anger within themselves. So, ancient wisdom tells us that though we have heard and we have been taught the appropriateness of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, that we should love our enemies, that we shall pray for those who persecute and despise us. In the Majima Nikaya, Sutta 128, Imperfections, the Buddha starts out with a sonnet, with a stanza. It says, when many voices shout at once, none considers himself a fool. We have a idea that there I have a right to self-defense. I have a right to defend self. But you see that is the the beginning of the illusion. That's the beginning of the dream because there is no self to defend. But in our ordinariness, in our unawareness, in our asleepness, we feel that this is a truth. And we feel justified in our administering self-defense, even to the point where in our present-day reality, we go beyond self-defense. We talk about preemptive strikes. We exercise preemptive strikes. And we say that it's justified to do that. How do we bring some wisdom? How do we rightly understand the incorrectness of 
aggression and violence, pushing and shoving. Where do we start? Where do we unravel the myth? Well, we start by measuring the success of our actions. In other words, to ask ourselves one question, did it work when I became angry, when I had my reaction, when I had my my time to speak or my time to act? Did it work? And of course, when we look out at the world, when we look out at reality, and we see the different expressions of violence and aggression, pushing and shoving, we always see that in the end, that does not work. That every drone and every bomb and every vehicle and every gun and every bullet and every expression of righteous indignation does not usher forth a win, does not bring satisfaction and peace. So we can start with a double negative. We can start with the understanding that, yeah, this is a way that has been taught. This is, a, this is an avenue, an option that I've been offered that when someone transgresses, when someone does something to me that I don't like, that I feel is disrespectful, is across the line, that there is a license, a justification to blow back. And I'm saying that perhaps at that point, at that moment of okayness in our minds that we say, because you did this, I am now allowed to do this back. That we say, but does that work? Does that bring me the reality, the manifestation that I want? Does this bring me peace? And of course, again, it's very obvious when we look at others, when we look at the vehicles that are driven or the guns that are fired or the drones that are flown, the missiles, the bombs that are dropped, we say, that doesn't work. Why do people do that? But we never question our own strategies. Again, because this thing called anger, this thing called justice, 
this thing called righteousness comes in so many disguises. It's all about anger. It's all about fear. It's all about intimidation. It's all about judgment. It says when we've forgotten thoughtful speech, they talk obsessed by words alone. Uncurbed their mouths, they bawl at will. None, none knows what leads him to act. He abused me, he struck me, he defeated me, he robbed me. And those who harbor thoughts like these, hatred will never be allayed. He abused me, he struck me, he defeated me, he robbed me, and those who do not harbor thoughts like these, hatred will readily be allayed. For in this world, in this reality, in Samsur, hatred is never allayed by further acts of hatred. So we go again back to another wisdom path that says, reaping and sowing. That if we plant an apple seed, we get an apple tree. If we plant a seed of violence, of hatred, of anger, that's what we harvest. It doesn't agree with the paradigm that we have been taught that says, well, if it is justified, if it is reactionary, if they hit me first, then I'm allowed to hit them back. The sages don't teach that. It's the ordinary people who teach that. It's the the delusional ones who teach that. So we've got to begin to put a space between ourselves and what we've been given allowances to exact on the world. And again, it starts with asking the question, if I do this, will this work? If I do this, will this bring me peace? Will this bring me harmony? Will this bring me love? Will this bring me satisfaction? Will this bring me contentment? And it is for us to examine all of the times that we've decided to take justice in our own hands and correct a wrong, the right a right. And ask ourselves, did it ever work? Did anger ever bring the solutions, the resolutions that I had hoped for? The budding wisdom confronts the obvious answer which says no. And it says, then why do I keep doing this if it doesn't work? Although I might be blind to what my option is, I know what my option isn't. War 
has never brought peace. A truce is just an absence of fighting. It's not peace. It's not love. It's not harmony. It's just waiting for my missile to get bigger than your missile. My capabilities to get more stronger than yours. My offenses to become stronger than your defenses. And then it starts again. Only through non-hatred, non-violence, will peace be established? Will balance be established? Will solutions be brought forth? It is our commitment in our prayer that we become one of the agents one of the providers of one of the caretakers for refuge and safety a place where people can come where they do not have to fear whether they'll be taken advantage of, whether they will be unloved, whether they will be attacked, whether they will be discriminated against, judged. These refugees, these refuges, harbors of safety, Harbors of stillness. It's important that you recognize your tendencies toward anger. We've been taught to be on alert. We've been taught to develop vision in the back of our heads, to always be alert to danger, to defend the self against attack. We've been given a belief, a paradigm that says it's okay if the other person starts it, if the other person projects. It's okay for me to act out on them. But again, the wisdom says, well, look at it. Does it work? 
Does it bring the desired results? This is hard to see because it's hard to look at ourselves. It's not healthy to be self-critical. The world is certainly a dangerous, vicious place. And we've all sought sanctuary in different places at different times in our lives. From crawling up into our mother's arms to experience that that place of of safety, assurance, a place of protection. We've all been wounded and infected and insulted. So I'm saying that we have to give up our justification for projecting anger and aggression by saying, well, it happened to me. They did it to me first. The path says that the only thing that works is to eliminate aggression and violence in me. It doesn't say love will conquer hate. It says non-hatred will conquer hate. So the first thing that is required of me is to find the residual wounds, the fear, that resides not in others, but in me. And to work every day diligently on removing, exercising that from my heart. And to deny the questions that occur that says, yeah, well, how will I protect myself? if I make myself vulnerable, if I deny myself my ability to be forceful, to be assertive.
We've been taught that we have a right to defend ourselves, that we have a right to fight back. But if we continue to hold on to that assumption, that view, we will have more tomorrows like we had yesterday's. Each of us has the responsibility to evaluate What world do we want to be a nurturer of? What reality do I want to sustain? And then go and join that energy. I'm saying that if you feel a justification for violence and anger, I understand. And there are plenty of other people who will join with you to continue that reality. But if you're tired of it, if you see the impotence in it, if you see the the foolishness of it, then be a part of a group that is strong enough and loving enough and inclusive enough to deny anger and hatred. Begin if you decide to be a part of a place of safety, a place of love, a place of nurturing, if you decide that that's what you want to participate in, then there's just one requirement of you, and that's to deny the a rising of hatred and anger within yourself. To ask yourself if you are capable and willing to forego any retribution, any retaliation, 
any judgment about the wrong that someone else did. To maintain a place of softness and harmlessness for those who are looking for a place to heal. For the children for the weak those that are tired of this foolishness this this back and forth this i hit you you hit me thing this place here will be one of the places that are that's dedicated to safety and love and harmlessness. A place of light, a place of healing, a place of inclusion. Anger, violence, aggression, force is not the answer. It doesn't heal anything. It says, breakers of bones and murderers, those who steal cattle, horses, and wealth, those who pillage the entire realm, when even these can act together, why can't you not do so? The situation in Samsara, the situation in this world, has come to the tipping point where it requires from each of us the commitment to one thing or the other. And it's okay whichever one you choose. I understand. But it's time to make a choice. It's time to make a stand. It's time to decide where will you be who do you support I'm not mad I'm not angry. I'm just waking up. 
and saying, I'm not going to continue to try to do things that I know don't work. And I am searching for and willing to coexist with others who believe that love is the answer. Any questions? Any comments? Thank you, Ben Oval. And um, I, I love what you're saying. The, the challenge that I have is, um, you know, would, would non-aggression have worked on a Hitler, on a Stalin, would it work on an Assad today? You know, you know, not having hatred or anger in your heart, I absolutely understand that that's always the better way. But I guess I just see circumstances where it feels to me like if I'm unwilling to be aggressive, then there's the potential for much more human pain and human suffering and while it doesn't fix the problem you know uh tens of thousands hundreds of thousands millions of people may not die if the aggressive action is taken so um that's my struggle at the limit when something's be when you're encountering a force that is out of its mind Mm -hmm. you know how do you meet that in a way that minimizes the human suffering and can you do that in all cases without aggression we won't know until we try all we know now is that our attempts to Our attempts to modulate reality in life through force has not brought us peace. That's all we know. And the logic that there are those who are special, that there are those who deserve or require my aggression in order to be convinced that their violence is not correct, their anger is not correct. In contemporary war, we're learning that for every terrorist, every enemy combatant, we destroy with a drone we create a hundred more. But we justify our own madness by saying we think that this is the only way to work, that this is the answer. So we keep on doing it.
So I don't, I don't have an example to point to on that scale of ang- ang- anger and intolerance of a Hitler. But what I do know or what I can extrapolate is that Hitler didn't do this by himself. It took a lot of people that agreed with his plan, with with his vision that said if we just do this, this will happen. If if we get rid of these people, we'll be happier. And I'm saying we can continue to construct a reality where we believe that if we get rid of those people, we will be happier. It's no different. Whether Hitler says it or whether I say it, whether I'm getting rid of him because I will be happier or whether he's getting rid of me because he'll be happier. There's the belief that somehow pushing back on one group, building a wall for one group, denying one group, hating one group, exterminating one group will bring happiness to the other group. And that don't work. That hasn't worked yet. But there's a a fear in the heart that says, I'm afraid to try a different way. We have microcosms that demonstrate that there's a possibility that another way will work. Wallace and Bull Connor, the colonization of India. There are places where a different form of energy was posited. And a settlement, a resolution occurred that didn't come through struggle in the sense of struggle, in the, in the sense of me dominating you. But it came from a sense of dominating myself, of controlling and behaving myself. that made something else, something different occur. I'm saying that we have to believe in love as much as we believe in aggression and hate.
And the only way that we can do that is con- to continue to hold up to the light. You know, to, to, to be willing to pause and take that breath and say, and what I'm about to do, will it work? And hold it up against history. And if history demonstrates to us that it doesn't, every war we fought was supposed to be the great war, was supposed to be the the war that ended all wars. But we've been fighting wars since we've been writing on paper or writing on rocks. And we still have this conflict going on between us. So there's, in my opinion, there's got to be a point where we say, that doesn't work. Getting in a vehicle, driving down the sidewalk, mowing people down doesn't work. Dropping bombs doesn't work. Shooting people doesn't work. so that it will turn my head, my vision, my intention toward something else. But not that. Yes. I think um, something else is where we get kind of snagged sometimes, Mm -hmm. that we're very... uh, creative in our answers of uh, violence to violence. You know, we have all sorts of bombs and drones and et cetera, you know, knives, whatever. Um, But I think for me, the, it demands being creative somewhere that's not, there's there are nonviolent solutions i think that are not necessarily passive mm-hmm. for example the guy at the waffle house who tackled the the mm-hmm. shooter mm-hmm. he didn't kill the shooter or mm-hmm. beat the shooter mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. he in the moment came to uh what may have appeared on the surface violent but mm-hmm. it wasn't really violence it was a solution that brought about peace, at least in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's a lot harder for us, because we're not practiced in it, to be creative about our solutions for peace. Right. And I, I feel like I need to find solutions like that, because I know that for myself, when I see innocence suffering Mm -hmm. or children threatened or even animals threatened i i don't take the time to be creative about another solution okay and that's that's what we're talking about though we were saying it's time to pause and create the space that allows us to consider another alternative as opposed to rushing in and doing the same thing that I did yesterday. If I just take that breath and go, do I have another option? 
that in that space of creativeness, in that space of allowing something else to manifest as opposed to the habit of clubbing you, that I guarantee that another way will present itself. But we have got to allow for it to to come into manifestation. We've got to allow the space for it to be born and nurtured so that I don't erode the option of choice. Right now we feel we don't have a choice, that this requires retaliation. This requires that I become meaner or stronger or more aggressive than you. So, yes, Bob. I appreciate your talk today. I think that in these polarized times, it's important to understand other people's views. And so I'm not saying you can change anyone else because you can't. And I understand the idea of changing one's attitudes. But until we start dialoguing with other people and understanding their perspective, I don't think much is going to happen. Now, even in our town, we're starting to take steps to do that. So there is a program going on called the Heart of Hendersonville. And it's an interactive, participatory type of thing that tries to get people from all points of view to come together and try to find out what we're what we have more in common than what we don't mm-hmm. so uh, faith communities are starting to get into this a little bit uh, but it's mostly just individuals just wanting to do more than uh, just see what's going on they want to become at least take a step forward to understanding a different point of view. Good. Yeah, thank you very much, Deepa, for this talk this morning. This is so powerful and and transforming for me. Um, Something that comes to mind to me, too, as I just contemplate this, um, is how collectively we have been willing to sacrifice our lives uh, for war, to make what we believe is right. We're willing to sacrifice ourselves, our lives, and the lives of our children for that. Mm-hmm. And then we call it noble. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder what it would be like if we were willing to sacrifice our lives for what is truly noble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And be willing to die for that. Because yeah. we're going to die one way or another anyways. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're going to go one way or the other. So again, it starts with creating a space that allows a different opinion, a different view to come in and to germinate and to grow. I stand on my conviction that the choices we've made up until this point, this moment, 
have not worked for us. No matter when they were made, they haven't worked for us. And so I'm just saying, I'm not proposing a solution, a cure. I'm saying, but we've got to stop what we're doing and do something different. And that when we look at what has what has been announced, what has been declared, no matter what model has been expressed, underneath that is anger. Whether it's World War Two, World War One, the War of the Roses, the Hundred Years' War, We're trying to define the ideology that makes people strap bombs on their chest and blow up other people, that makes people get in stealth bombers and blow up other people. But what makes a person do that is the absence of love and respect for the other. So that if we can get ourselves just to question ourselves, that's where it starts. In other words, you can't have a mob without me. And if I decide that I don't hate that person enough to, to attack them in this mob and hang them from a tree, then you don't have a mob. But it starts with an individual commitment. It starts with with creating the space. So one option, of course, is to bring people together in dialogue and to hopefully determine that in the long run or in the end, I'm no different than you. But the point is to stop. and agree to doing something different instead of what has always been done. To be willing to invest in another way. And as we can we can question the efficacy of our choice. But what I'm suggesting is to go back to look at what the wise men and women said. Not to necessarily come to our own conclusion about what we what we think might work because it seemed on some level to have worked before. But the spiritual sages, the wise men and women who have come before us, have said, love is the answer. So, let's give love a try. 
I thank you so much for coming out in the rain. You didn't know you were going to be hit with this. But I didn't either until I saw the Waffle House in the van. I said, not again. Not again. How many churches and Waffle Houses and schools and sidewalks have to be disrespected before we say, enough of this. What's it going to take to wake up? I think the first thing it takes to wake up is to start to create a space for difference. Like Bob says, group of people coming together, being different in themselves, feeling themselves different, but still willing to approach the problem a different way. We here at Hardwood are saying, hey, this is going to be a refuge for people who are trying to escape violence and aggression. That, that it's going to defend against it here. It's not going to insist that you do it, that the people across town do it, that the people give up their robes or their ropes their missiles or their guns. We're not asking anybody to give up their guns. We're just saying, don't bring them here. If that's what you believe, keep it on your side of town. If that's the way you want to live, keep it on your side of town. But here's a place for people who want to live in peace who are tired of dealing with the anger and the judgment, the violence, the aggression, the intimidation. This is a refuge. Not an enclave. So I believe that if we can just rewrite position reality so that we will have camps with optional conditions. Communities that if you want to be crazy, go to that community. Live in that part of town. If you want to be peaceful, here's a community for you over here. but you're not going to make everybody be the way that you think they should be. The only person that you can really make be who you want them to be is you. So, that's the proposition. And as I say with everything else that I propose to you guys, it's that simple. Not easy, but simple. Take a breath and ask yourself, what is the best way to do this? What is the way that works? 
Is it with hate? Is it with love? And the answer you come up with is what you operate from. And what the teachers have told me is don't expect the other guy to embrace your your paradigm. But if you believe in it and your heart feels good about it, then make sure that you do it. May all beings be liberated from suffering. May we be well. May we be happy. May we be peaceful. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you. Have a safe day.